Welcome to episode three from Stories from Retirement. My plan is to create 10 episodes and wrap this project up. Three down, I've got my final person in mind, but I need to find uh, six more guests to have discussions with. I hope you're enjoying this. I am. I'm enjoying the process. So you're about to meet my friend, Joel, who's been retired for three years. He's a great guy. He's stable. He's happy, loyal. He's got a bedrock of integrity. He's open-minded. He says yes to a lot of things. He's just a great person. He also had a really high-stakes job, very difficult job, and he handled that power and responsibility with humility. But I I, I think from this discussion, I've, I've found that the stress of that job definitely took a toll on his health, and I think he was smart to take a step back and consider the next phase in his life. The other thing that I found really interesting is that earlier in his career, he had a, what he calls a tailspin. He made a bad choice in his career, and it, and it hurt him for about four years, set him, set him back pretty far. And there's probably quite a few people that have been through a tailspin and maybe haven't recovered yet. Some, some never recover. But I can tell you that Joel's really proud of his resurrection, and he rightfully should be. Some of that's going to be in the backstory, which is part two of the podcast. If you have any feedback for me, please send me a note at storiesfromretirement at gmail.com, and please enjoy the podcast. All right, so Joel, so so welcome back to part two. And for our listeners, um, part one is is Joel's you know backstory on his life and his career, and uh, you were more than generous with sharing lessons learned. There's a lot of career advice, a lot of things about... Um, that I, I appreciate that you shared, Joel, about sometimes in your career you'll you, you might get you might get stuck in a, a bit of a rut, like you described. And there's some lessons learned from that, some recovery from that. Um, and uh, it certainly I know it, it had to feel really good to you to, to finish on the high that you did and um, to round out your career with with people that you're still friends with and close with. Um, but in this part of, of of stories from retirement, we're gonna. We're going to talk about retirement now. And I, I thought like a logical place to start is really just to talk about, you know, the transition into retirement. And um, I'm curious, like, so so first of all, maybe, maybe share with uh, the listeners, like, you know, when did you retire? So how long has it been? And then maybe talk a little bit about like, what was the planning like for you um, in advance of retirement? Thank you, Drew. And uh, yeah, this is just uh, the reflection that we had in the first conversation. I was uh, reflecting back on that and made me feel pretty good about my career and the accomplishments that I had. And, um, you know, I was fortunate that um, being with Microsoft, especially the last five years of my career, our our stock started on an upward trajectory. And I'd always um, planned on retiring. I'll just back up a second. I had an old friend that I worked with at one of my earlier jobs. I never really had put much thought into retiring. I figured I would just work till I'm 65, 68 years old, retire for Social Security like what my parents did. And um, <clears throat> we were talking, and we were in our, this is about 10, 12 years ago, we are in our early 50s. And he said, he goes, what are your plans for retirement? He goes, yeah, I've done good investing. He goes, I'm going to retire when I'm 55. I said, Kent, I had never even thought about retirement. It's the first goes, time well, it came know, into your I'm, head, huh? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, well, I want to be able to, young enough, be able to travel with my family and, and do things and, and the like. And he kind of lit a, 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 a fuse in me. So I, I kind of targeted, I go, you know what? I think 62 would be a, a good target age. 
And, and I felt at 62, you know, I'd be eligible for Social Security at that time, not far from Medicare, because, you know, I always had concerns about health care costs and the like. So I had a targeted plan at 62 when I was in my early 50s. And, uh, you know, like I said, fortunately, Microsoft stock was, was upward trajectory. And um, everything was looking gravy. Um, I got ill at 59 and uh, ended up taking a, uh, a four-month sabbatical from work. And I kind of said, oh, this is my test for retirement. I actually enjoyed the test. And I came back from okay. my, my, yeah. uh, my uh, medical leave. And, and I just didn't have the same passion. And at that point, I, I kind of redirected my plans and said, all right, I'm going to retire at 61. So that was in September of okay. 2019. So I officially okay. retired October 1st, 2019. And, Congratulations um, on know, three years. Yeah, th- three years uh, this month, right. right. And, and leading up to it, you know, I was, I was thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do when I retire? I had a few hobbies. Uh, but I had a um, an, another uh, work buddy who I uh, was a manager of mine, became a, a mentor. We kind of co-mentored each other. His name was Peter. And he, he, he retired a year before I did. And he was always saying, listen, when I retire, it's going to be like I'm a, I'm a teenager again, but this time with money. And I'm going to do things that I've always wanted to do. He goes, I'm going to pick a different, um, a different uh, activity every year. And one year I'm going to learn how to, for example, speak Spanish. One year I'm going to learn an instrument. One year I'm going to learn how to cook. You know, next year I'm going to be co- – How's he been doing on that? Yeah, and, and he gave me – and when he said that, he once again kind of uh, – um, it was an epiphany for me. I go, you know what? I've always wanted to get into voiceover. I've been told I have a good voice for radio and a face to match. And um, – <laughs> Um, I've always, sure, uh, I, I've got very good financial acumen. So, so you know what? I right. want to get into, you know, those two, uh, disciplines were, were also on my radar to say, you know, I could help people. I targeted maybe, uh, young millennials and divorced individuals as my key target basis to help, uh, better understand their financial situations and with budgeting, planning, savings, you know, that's, the that's like. where it's pretty critical, so, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I, I kind of wanted, I didn't want to go into retirement and you know just fall off a cliff and have nothing to do i think i think that's great that you thought through those things yeah so so i had several objectives in mind and when i retired it was at a point where i i loved the people i was working with i enjoyed the clients but the daily grind that uh, my job required me to do i i just didn't have the passion i didn't have the passion to fight at the I end understand. of every quarter, fight for every dime right. dollar that we had to do on both sides of the equation, the customer side and right. the Microsoft side. Yeah. And, um, you know, the cool thing is when I announced my retirement, first of all, my manager tried talking me out of it and, um, you know, giving me all sorts of doubt. What are you going to do? Do you have enough money? What are you going to do for health care? I'm like, what are you, you going to do every day? And I assured my manager that I was fine financially. It was fine, fortunately. I had a lot of ideas in terms of what I want to do. And um, I announced my retirement at a team meeting, Drew. It was just time, perfect timing. The end of August, we had all these planning meetings. And not only was the immediate team there, but all the um, all the uh, peripheral resources were there, The uh, all the supporting teams, all the specialists and that. And um, uh, when I announced it, I didn't expect this. I got a standing ovation from the team that was there. 
for Isn't like that a good feeling. Yeah, it was still yeah, brings because not every not everybody gets that. Right there, there's there's not much ceremony in the corporate world of uh, recognition, is there? Yeah, no. And this was in the um, downtown Detroit office in one of the conference rooms, probably not far from the uh, MTC. MTC, yeah. And um, I didn't expect it, and you know, choked me up, brought kind of tears to my eyes, and, uh, and, and chokes you, me up now. It means something. Yeah, it means something to you right now. That I yeah. that, that that's but, wonderful. And the good Did thing you is, have I went any out. Concerns? Did you have any concerns about retirement? You know, you, you you mentioned other people trying to inject their concerns, like, "Oh, you're not going to have anything to do. What are you going to do about health care? Are those your concerns or other people's? I mean, what was your big concern? You know, my biggest concern was walking away from that constant, consistent paycheck and that okay. security, uh, that financial security that I had. Yep. And um, I, I've always been fairly confident, and, and I felt I was making the right decision. And um, so, yeah, that was a concern. But my backup to that was, well, I can always go back to work if I wanted to. Right. And right. Uh, so I always had have that in my back pocket. But um, I know I had made the decision. I think I had. So um, do you feel like that concern was um a valid concern or not really you know if i rated on a scale of one to ten i'd put that probably at about a three okay even now in september or october 2022 where things are dicey you know there's there's inflation and there's putin and there's turmoil in the bond and stock markets (laughs) and even even then the the steady paycheck you, you feel okay I do, and, and the yeah. the good thing, the reasoning behind that is, um, I'll say that is, you know, my net worth had gone up at one point before this uh, post-COVID recession hit, or whatever you want to call it. Um, my net worth had gone up about seventy percent. Wow. Now it's probably about forty percent higher than it was three years ago. So I, when I you walked away, go, yeah, I look at it. It's been three yeah. years. And now my next financial uh, bridge that I'm trying to cross to because I'm self-funding retirement. And like I said, I, got good, I have good financial acumen. And that's, that's, I think, a really key factor when – because a lot of people have asked me, can I re- how did you retire? When can I retire? And the first question I ask someone, Drew, is what is your burn rate? And they go, what's a burn rate? And this is probably a right. lesson for, for anybody who's considering right. retirement. You know, what's my burn rate? And, and that's a – key term to understand what your burn rate really means is how much do you your family you and your spouse spend every month and if you spend let's it's say, hard to figure out isn't it a lot of people aren't super tight with a budget or it's it is hard to figure out how do you figure that out and good question because it isn't that i don't personally i don't think it's that hard and but okay. the way you figure it out is if you have a checking account and most people have a checking account. They may not even write checks, but they would Venmo through it or, or debit card through it or whatever. Um, that checking account statement is going to tell you um, how much you withdrew, how much, how many, uh, all your deposits and all your expenses through that one account. So I track that actually for a couple of years to, right. to get a handle on my burn rate was. And there are certain incidentals that pop into play, so you got to factor in for that. Um, so. Factor what okay. your burn rate is, 
you multiply it by month, you multiply it times 12 to get your annual burn rate. Right. And then you look and go, what do I have in terms of what would be different in retirement? Because some some expenses are going to be different in retirement, health care, for example, those type of things. But OK, I mean, so that's one example. It sounds like you have a fairly clean and simple financial arrangement. Mine, mine's certainly more complicated. Like my, my wife has an account. I have an account for personal spending. And then we have a account for all our health, health hole or joint expenses. And then there's just other things like sometimes I would pay taxes out of another account so it was kind of complicated for me so what i did uh, for anybody else that just feels like they don't have a handle on what their actual spending is i actually went and i put a chunk of money on january 1st into an account and i said i'm going to spend everything out of this chunk and see how long it lasts and it was it was a bit of a surprise to see what actually i just living normally what what flew out you know, it is, I agree, it's important to understand your burn rate. And then, um, you know, the other thing that I'll just share, this is of course about you, but I'll just share, like I observed my parents and, um, you know, they stopped spending at some point, you know, so certainly like when I went through a financial plan, I wanted to have a, a fairly expensive lifestyle for maybe a couple of decades. But, you know, when I start to get into my late seventies, I expect it to be much simpler. Well, and that's where... When you have, it's unusual, maybe in my opinion, that you know spouses will have separate accounts, and maybe it's not that unusual. But you look at it where we're your source of income, and that's important too. And I knew that I would be self-funding retirement, and there'd be a certain point where be drawing Social Security because the longer you wait to draw Social Security, the more you're gonna you're gonna receive. So I had those sources of income are gonna be Social Security. Uh, My wife has a annuity. Uh, available from her, the job that she had, that we invested uh, that pension into an annuity. Um, we're also going to have an IRA that we'll be able to draw distributions from. We have dividends that we're getting from yep. stocks. And, okay. uh, you know, I play in the market a little bit with covered costs. So I have okay. four or five sources of income. Right now I'm drawing on income from my dividends and interest, my covered calls, and my savings. But in about okay. two years, that's the bridge I'm I'm looking across uh, okay. next, and that's going to be about two years to start to draw Social Security, and that's a critical okay. that's a cri- also critical point in the whole idea is when to start drawing Social Security, and I've decided I'm going to do it at full retirement age, which for me is 66 years and eight months, for my wife okay. is 66 and 10 months, and for people that are older than me, born in 1960, I think it goes all the way up to 67. So th- those are some critical decisions. And that, those are the, that's the calculus, Drew, that I was doing up until the, when I retired. So I knew what my burn okay. rate was. Yeah. I knew what my savings was. I knew where my, you know, the bridge that I had to get to to cross before starting to draw Social Security and pull on, on IRA. And I know not everyone can do that, but those are the kinds of uh, uh, items you really need to consider when you're making that kind of, of life-changing decision and to be comfortable with it. So you asked me, was I comfortable with it? And I, I was comfortable because of that calculus that I had done. Yeah, so yeah I mean, all right, you're, I, you're I, thinking that through like the top 1% of the world, thinking that through in terms of thoroughness. So yeah, that's and, outstanding. And the reason I'm saying We're, that is for you know anyone who is, is um, right now at that point of considering retirement, have you checked those boxes? Have you checked right. that? box in terms of 
okay, this is what my burn rate is. This is what my expenses are. This is what I'm going to collect Social Security. This is what I have in my IRA. These are the dividends I have. And those are things, and if you can't answer those questions effectively, you may not be ready to take that next step to retirement, and that's or, okay, or too. Or you might need to go talk to somebody if you don't have that acumen, right? You might need to talk to a number of people about that and get multiple opinions, almost like you have an illness and you have a big decision to make. Maybe just don't talk to one doctor, right? Right, right. Um, and, and, and I yeah. have two financial planners that I relied on heavily, and I shared those numbers with them. I shared, I, I'm kind of... Uh, in one respect, I'm very organized, and I, I track yeah. that information. Yeah. And, and I, I talked to both of them. I said, "These are my these are my plans. Shoot holes in my numbers." And they go, "You know what? You're, you're solid. I can't shoot holes. You know, the only the, the downfall is the risk, the the unknown. You know, the market could collapse and all that. Sure. But those are unknowns, and you can't factor that in. You can't make a decision on an unknown, right, Drew? So sure, um, sure. Um, so let let me ask you this. Um, so it's been three years. If you had a chance to do a do-over, would you have retired earlier or kept working a little longer, or was it just about right for you? You know what? Um, look, at, look at having the benefit of hindsight because um, mm-hmm. you know you don't have that. I, I think my timing could not have been better, and the reason I say that, Drew, is because six months after I retired, the COVID pandemic hit in March of 2020. And, uh, it was an, I, I, when I retired, I, I, I said, Oh, I want to travel. I, my, one of my, uh, one of my dreams was to, so, so before I go into that story, so yes, true to answer your questions, I think it was perfect timing for me. Um, I really do. It, it's for, amazing how many people did you, I've spoken to that say a very similar thing. And I'm not sure I'm there yet. Maybe I need three years under my belt to say it was the right time. I'm not sure. I'm thinking, you know, I'm leaning, if anything, to maybe it was a little early. Um, maybe I should have worked a little bit more. But I think that's great. That's got to be a good feeling. I mean, first of all, the um, the response you got from your peers at the offsite is awesome. The, the terms that you left on, the readiness that you had, kind of the growth mindset on new hobbies and ideas. Um, that, that's, that's pretty cool. It's kind of consistent with every other topic we've talked about as well, Joel, is, uh, you know, you got your shit in order. <laughs> I'm fortunate, Drew. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. they, they say it's, uh, people don't uh, plan to fail, they fail to plan. And um, I, I, I kind of took that to heart. And uh, I, I, I try to be very, it, may, it hurts me sometimes, but I be, I'm trying to be calculated in what I do. I'm not always that calculated, Drew. But when it comes to important stuff, I learned a lesson very early in my career where, and I think we talked about, I walked away from a job over a money dispute. And right. uh, it, it hurt me for, for several years. That was a hard lesson, but it taught me, it instilled some better values in, in my, my decision-making. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so I was it. pretty calculated in that. And, and what would, so here I was, had a clean slate on my, in front of me. Okay. I'm not, I don't have to get up to work anymore. I don't, I don't have deals to worry about. I don't have deadlines to consider. You know, I woke up on the morning of October 1st, you know, going, oh my God, this is the first day of my retirement. What am I going to do? And um, I had uh, been involved in a, um, a couple of nonprofits. Or, and um, one of the nonprofits I was involved in where I was a, um, 
a board trustee on my uh, temple board. Uh, the day I retired, I actually rotated off that, that board. So, okay. um, gave you some more freedom. Yeah. What, gave me more freedom. Do? Right. And, uh, I go, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get in, I'm going to start looking at my voiceover career, which I, um, there's a studio in Ferndale, Michigan, uh, actor's studio, actor's guild, it's called, and they have classes. So I'm looking into classes and then I started, um, just for, um, you know, giggles and all that. Craigslist has this volunteer stuff and, and jo- little uh, okay. gigs. And okay. uh, I applied to this one. I haven't one. looked at that. That's interesting. Yeah. And I applied to this one gig, and they were looking for a um, – it was a um, – uh, um, they were looking for, for volunteers, paid volunteers, to involve in a, um, a mock trial. So I go, all hmm. right, I'll throw my name in for that. I got picked for that. I got paid $150 to go spend a Friday afternoon hearing a mock trail trial case about a defendant who uh, passed away in a hospital and the hospital was being sued for malpractice. And okay. um, I'm just going. So this was I a law firm to... practicing. <laughs> yeah. And I was just laughing. I go, I would have been able to do this if I retired. And, you know, so I had this grand plan and my wife shot it down really early. I was going to like uh, <laughs> go buy a, a, a Mustang convertible. And okay. uh, go drive out west, you know, with all these stops in between, visiting friends and family, you know, in, in St. Louis and that Cincinnati and Arizona and end up in San Diego with an old uh, elementary school buddy of mine lives. Fly my wife out there and go to Hawaii, have her come back and then, you know, take the rest of the time, go up the west coast, visit an old buddy up there and come back. I was planning on taking 10 or 12 weeks. And my and wife well, slapped a little dose of reality. And she goes, what are you going to do about the dog? we got to worry about the dog. Well, you know, what are we going to do if our daughter needs us? She's up in college. I go, well, it's fine. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. What's that, Drew? You could fly home if your daughter needs you, right? I mean, Right, right. Park the car and, and fly home. And unfortunately, my wife shot me down. I was calling it uh, reti- Retirement Road Trip V1. You know, V1 of many Vs, versions. Uh, but that did not materialize. Um, I can tell you, I can tell you that my, my wife shot me down on something recently too. Just a quick interlude, and she very, very rarely shoots me down on something. But there's a there's a, a new bar. It's just like an outside beer garden in Detroit called Stad, which is really cool. Like you go up to this old house, and they serve it out of a window, like a kitchen window in the house. They don't have a good setup or anything. Okay. And this guy just serves obscure German beer and wine, and he's looking for help. I'm like, man, that would be fun. They're only open till 10 o'clock. It's just on, on weekends. I'm like, I could do that. She just shot me down hard. So, um, yeah, sometimes you think, like, you know, you can do whatever you want, but you also have a partner in crime in this if you're lucky, right? Right. right. So yeah. so I got shot down. I go, you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll look into doing drive-away cars, and I can drive a car down to Florida and come back, and, you know, I make it into a mini vacation. And there's a company that did offer that. Okay. So I kind of hooked up with them, and they offered me a job for 10 bucks an hour. wasn't it for the money. And uh, I spent two days doing it, Drew, before I realized I'm not going to do this. We drove cars, you know. They had uh, Driving's their, tough. Uh, yeah, w- one of their clients was Amazon, so they were driving Amazon trucks back and forth to their uh, okay. uh, shipping facility down by the airport from the uh, location they had in Southfield. Okay. And I did that one day, and I wasn't feeling good, and didn't get a lunch break and all that. 
and it was like you know the game. I, I the could check. see you being more of an Uber driver and talking to people, actually, Joel. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My cousin does that, and uh, that could be grueling too. But um, um, depends but on I, how 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 grueling you want it to be, though. It's my true. understanding. I, I don't know the details, but I think to make money, yeah, they they make you do a lot of shifts. And, but and if you're not in it all... so much for the money. Right, and then these guys said, "Well, you want to drive to New York this weekend, and if you drove, it was on your responsibility to find a way back, and it was your responsibility to spend, you know, stay the night there." Said, yeah, we might be able to get you a trip back, but I said, "You know what? Nah, that's I'm ridiculous." Not so I stopped it after two times, but you know what? Nothing venture, nothing gain. You tried it for a couple right. times, and okay. uh, you know, it kind of was open to okay. whatever was coming my way. I'm glad you brought this up just to parlay back. Like I, I'm actually a little curious about trying some simple jobs. Uh, not that I'm desperate to have something to do, but I, I always am just kind of curious to see what they're like. You know, what is it like to be an Uber driver? I'm curious. What is it like to work in an Amazon warehouse? I'm curious. I don't think I want to do it for a year, but for a month, it would be, it might be, you know, a bit of an experience. But, okay, so you're on this bit of exploration starting on October 1st, three years ago. Um I think you know we're we're jumping straight into. I've got a variety of topics, um, and I think we let's just let this go organically. But you know, you mentioned your friend. I think it was Peter who said, "I want to put a year into this and a year into that." Um, what what have been the main activities, if you will, hobbies, extras that you've found most rewarding so far? I'll I'll, I'll stop asking the question there. So, so uh, I will say to specifically to that question, I haven't partaken in any of those activities that I mentioned in terms of learning a language or an instrument or a cooking skill um, or my vocations with regards to financial acumen or uh, voiceovers. Okay. Um, those are still on the table. Doesn't mean... Because I haven't done right. them, they're not on the table, and, and the reason I haven't drew is because you know with the with the open palette that I, I had, I got involved in other activities uh, that sure. kind of fell into my lap, and, and you know that is the benefit I think of having an open mind and being um being open to to doing you know anything. So for example, I'm involved with a a nonprofit. In the Detroit area, it's can I mention the nonprofit or? Um, sure, you can. Okay, it's called Hebrew Free Loan, and Hebrew Free Loan it provides zero percent loans to the community for a variety of uh, of items, whether it's um, whether it's a car loan or home improvement loan or celebration loan or bridge loan, and it's an organization that's been around now for 127 years. So it's it's a, a pretty good. Um, pretty good nonprofit, and I was on the board. I'm an executive board. I've been on the board since 2013, so I was on it when I was working at Microsoft, and I'd go to quarterly meetings, uh, but wasn't. I was on some peripheral committees, um, but I was on the executive committee when I retired. And uh, at one of our meetings, our director goes, "Hey, we have this uh, seminar on this Thursday afternoon. It's an all-day seminar with this group that's involved in uh, LGBTQ uh, involvement and wanting to." you know, get that more integrated in the community. He goes, anyone, I want someone on the board to attend it with me. Who can attend it? I go, I'll attend it. You know, I had all day to do it. So that's something else I notice about you is you, you say yes a lot. 
not all the time. I don't know if yeah, you, uh, not all yeah. the time, but you do. Yeah, I think well, it's uh, it's a nice quality. Well, and an important one to have in retirement, right? Yeah. No, thank you. And um, this is an organization that you know I, I really feel provides a great benefit to the community, and um, it, it, it's a it's a very um, prominent board to be on, and it's a difficult board to be on. So I want to stay locked into the board. I don't want to give them a reason to tell me, to, oh, you're going to rotate off of it. Um, so I attended this all-day seminar with our executive director. And then once it was at, it was over, he comes to me and goes, hey, you know, we're planning this board development session for next February. And he goes, you've been to this. I want you to be one of the co-chairs of this board development. Okay, so it leads to a little more responsibility. So little by little, without in, without being in, in, intentionally, I, I didn't have an intentional objective to get more deeply involved with Hebrew Free Loan, but by going to that session and then getting invited to participate in that board development, and then from participating in that board development, I got invited to participate in a planning session for the international conference that Detroit was hosting um, six months later. Here I was involved in two projects right off the bat, but just by saying yes, Drew, to a commitment, unintended consequences that had some some good benefits. So you know what else I'm seeing and 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 hearing from you is that you're enjoying it because I I have spoken to some people in volunteer scenarios where like I'm part of the condo board and it's a nightmare and it's just people complaining and thinking I'm dirty and it's like. There are some times to start saying no or disinvest from volunteer scenarios, but you it, I, it seems like you feel super committed to the um, the impact that you're having on the community and the legacy of this organization and uh, the use of your skills. So that's 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 super great, Joel. Thank I think you. it's the for the people that I've spoken to so far. I think you've really had some of the most meaningful impact in the community and commitment to it. Yeah, this is, and and then, um, it's impressive, admirable. Thank you. Thank you. And and just to take it a step further, Murph, even further where now we're jumping ahead, I'm going to jump ahead and we're going to come back too. Um, but, um, so, so Hebrew Philone also has a division called the, um, Marvin Idanto small business loan program. And this program is designed to assist, um, business owners with loans between twenty to $100,000 to either start a business, expand upon a business, buy inventory for their business. It's all designed to help entrepreneurs grow, succeed, and hire more people. And I had been on that committee uh, interviewing uh, applicants um, and uh, involved in some decisions. Well, the program consultant managing that uh, retired in um, and moved to California in May of 21 true so we're skipping ahead a little bit but i'll come back too so and, and i had known him i had referred a couple of uh, friends for businesses and they got loans from him and when he retired announced he was moving his name was rob i call him up and go rob who's replacing you because i'm really interested in doing that and rob goes well you know david and i talked about it your name did come up i said well good, good he, goes, he yeah. goes i encourage you to talk to david you got yourself hired again so I talked to David, and here I was, Drew, you know, where opportunity meets preparedness. And um, I, uh, I told David I'm interested, but if I need to leave the executive board due to a potential conflict of interest, I don't want to take this Danto program manager. 
and we talked about it. He goes, I'll, I, and I suggested, why don't you go to the exec board and um, see if uh, they're okay with it, make sure there's no conflict of interest. He also talked to uh, an employment attorney. They didn't see any contract conflict of interest, so I actually was given that position in October of 21. I've had it for about a year now. And that also, it, it's a small part, it's, it's considered a staff position. I get paid to do it. Uh, it's a part-time uh, payment. We're not being paid a lot, so it's less $20,000 a year. Um, but what it does Good is it, you, bring, yeah. Yeah, it brings such intrinsic value to myself, and it fits a need. It helps individuals. For example, we closed two loans last month. One was for a... Um, uh, a partnership that bought a long-term retail outlet in the West Bloomfield area, a well-known retail outlet. And when the loan closed, one of the owners told me, he goes, there's been three significant factors or issues that happened in my life, getting married, having kids, and getting this loan. I go, oh, my God. And then the second loan was to help a business that is doing a uh, a glamping, which is glamorous camping business up in sure. uh, Boyne City, Michigan. And it was okay. a couple that moved from Chicago, bought this 160-acre farm, and they're looking okay. to buy uh, these uh, geometric domes so they can have year-round yeah. camping. I've, so I've slept in those. They're fun. Yeah, and that's the kind of – those are two examples of the loans we've done, and they, and they were just so thrilled for us to help them. And when Rob told me, you know, I was taking the job, he goes, you're going to find it, that it is so rewarding when people are thanking you for giving them money. And yeah. yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. And, and and it's it's been so, you know. Bottom line is just by being open to uh, saying yes to a couple things, it opened a door that I would not have envisioned in hindsight being available three years ago, Drew. And, and you know, because of this, yeah, I, you know, had I focused on these other disciplines that I was thinking about, like instruments, learning languages, and all that. Um, those can be somewhat singular pursuits too. I think I I really like how you have this open palette approach and 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 say yes some. I mean if 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 you find yourself every morning picking up an instrument and working with it, that's one thing. But if you're kind of saying oh, I got to get to the instrument, it's Wednesday, I haven't touched it. Um, that's a different thing too. You're kind of listening to what you, what you what you like. I I I, I find that fascinating. Um, I, I guess I'll ask you like, like circling back to let, let's maybe some other hobbies or activities, um, travel. What, how, what, is, what are your thoughts on that three years in? So I haven't done enough of it. I will say that, okay. but, um, you know, six months after I retired, the COVID pandemic hit. Okay. And what was interesting with that is, uh, in February, 2020, well, before that, a, a buddy of mine called me. He lives in Chicago. He goes, hey, my, my wife and I are going to be in Jamaica. We're uh, after Jamaica. We're, we're going to be in Florida. Her son lives in Oklahoma City, so she's going to split off and go there. But I want to stay in Florida for a week because I don't want to go back to Chicago in February because you want to you meet me down there. I said, sure. So we rented an a Airbnb in Fort Lauderdale uh, for a week. This was like in, I don't know, middle of February of 2020. And uh, we had a great time. His name is Joel yeah. also. So Joel and Joel, okay. we had a great time, yeah. uh, you yeah, know, hanging yeah. out in Fort Lauderdale. And then my, my, I have a younger sister who um, in March of 2020 was turning 60. 
So my older sister, who lives here in, in the Detroit area with me, her and I decided uh, we're going to go surprise. My younger sister' name is Amy. We're going to surprise Amy for her 60th birthday. And uh, her birthday is March 14th. This day is important because I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So we plan to fly in on March 13th, 2020, to go surprise her. We told her three daughters were coming in. Amy had no idea. I have a buddy of mine who lives in Oregon who knows my family while he's my college roommate. His name's Jeff. Jeff heard about it. He goes, oh, I want in. I want in. Jeff's the kind of guy. He'll drop everything in a minute to fly somewhere for fun. He's that kind of a guy. That's Um, cool. So he goes, I'm going to fly in. I want to meet you guys. I'm going to hook up with you guys. All right, Jeff, you're in. So, and my wife, you know, she didn't want to travel. Well, um, I'd also gotten involved, Drew, by being retired. We had a planning session for a youth group I was involved in when I was in high school called BBYO. And we had a reunion on February 29th, 2020. I'm giving these dates for a reason. I'm leading up to that. I can kind of sense what's we had, coming. We but. had a, a reunion from the from the 1970s, the BBYO, and so the youth organization has been around for, for decades. And... Um, the, the, the chair of the committee ran into me one night. She goes, hey, I heard you retired. I said, yeah. She goes, good, you're on my planning committee. I go, Gail, what does that entail? She goes, I'll call you, I'll tell you. So it entailed I had to put posters up around town and help get, you know, recruit people to come to the uh, reunion. And it turned out to be a great reunion. We had about 180 people there. It was uh, not a well sit-down dinner, but it was a uh, it was uh, heavy hors d'oeuvres. You're just rolling around, great music. Sure. And some of these people I hadn't seen in – 20 years or longer and it was just a great night well right around the 5th 6th of march you know news started circulating that this this illness was coming around called COVID 19 and uh it was getting worse and worse people were dying it started on the west coast leading to the east coast and um uh, march it was 12th, terrifying in the yeah, early days, it was it? march 12th they announced that the NBA season was being suspended for the rest of the year. The NHL season was being suspended for the rest of the year. The NCAA tournament was canceled. And then the final shoe was Major League Baseball stopped spring training. And here my sister and I were in the airport. But Amy's though. 60th birthday? Amy's 60th birthday is March 14th. This happened March 12th. <laughs> and my doctor buddy goes, he goes, you're not going to Arizona, are you? I said, I am, Larry. He goes, well, what about COVID? You're going to get COVID. And he's worried about my Crohn's yeah. and all that from my illness. Yeah. And my sister and I said, you know what, we're going. We planned this. We're going. So we flew on March 13th in the teeth of COVID, but COVID hadn't hit Arizona yet. We went. We surprised my sister. She was buying something in a mall at at some store that she goes to on her birthday. They give her an incentive. We came out of the back and showed up. My niece was filming this, and my sister was just shocked. She was awesome. We surprised the, the awesome. heck out of her and she was her mouth was just a gape she didn't know what to say and i'm uh, glad was, you ran the gauntlet <laughs> yeah, and, and we had it. a great weekend we had a great weekend my older sister flew back on i, I was there from a thursday i think th- i was going to stay for a thursday and then i started getting concerned that the airports were going to shut down right and i, 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 I so I was, well you could buy a uh, um Mustang convertible. Yeah, exactly. That was actually, I was thinking of doing that. And, uh, um, but I ended up, uh, shortening my, 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 uh, vacation by a day and came back a day early. And that's when the shutdown, I mean, everything just right. shut down right there. So my traveling plans, I was very 
happy that I got to Lauderdale in February and Arizona in March, and then my traveling plans just came to a, a complete, complete halt right. at that point. Right. And well, you know, some of some of my questions are about like, hey, do you like to go international, or do you have this plan or that? You know, kind of, kind of what I'm hearing is you like to travel either with people or to see people. You, you know, and you I know? have fortunate i've got friends all over the country it's a cool Um, way to do it yeah and a little bit of a challenge because at times you know my wife wants to go and she doesn't want to have to visit people she just wants to go relax chill and and do nothing you can mix some of that in too right exactly exactly my benefit my my thinking is well i'll go and go visit with folks and you can stay and lay at the beach or whatever so probably more domestic traveling maybe a mix of driving and flying and um you know those places beaches are still- or mountains beaches mountains or cities exactly yeah and um, okay um th- those are kind of my 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 goals those are the things you know in the last six months um we actually went to boston spent a weekend in boston uh, i've got a buddy who's got a nice uh, condo up in charlevoix so he invites us another couple there every year for again. a weekend, so we spent a weekend yeah. in Charlevoix. I almost went to go see that glamper in Boyne City, but didn't get an opportunity to do that. And then guys golf weekends and those kind of items, but um, I'm starting to pick up okay. that pace a little bit more, Drew, okay. than um, than I had. But it's been it's been kind of a, a, a struggle because of COVID with making some right. long-term travel plans. And, you know, that was, in hindsight, that's something that I never would have foreseen happening. I don't think anyone would have. And, but. and you know what? It, it might not be as important as maybe you thought three years ago uh, on October 1st. You might find that your your purpose with um, the volunteering and other other ventures that you have are, are uh, drawing you more from your open palate. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's, that's kind of a... You know, I kind of look back, I'm having fun in retirement because it's an opportunity to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And mm-hmm. as Peter said, he goes, you're a teenager, but with money. And mm-hmm. uh, so because of COVID, you know, a lot of activities were restricted. A hobby that I got more into that I did as a kid that I really missed was bike riding. Okay. And uh, I, I like riding because uh, you, you get out in the open transition. air. I want, I want to talk about, you know, health. And do, do you feel like you're exercising and taking care of your health better in retirement or about the same? Yeah, no. Thanks for bringing that up because absolutely. I, I was a member of a, uh, a sports, of a um, health club uh, not far okay. from my house. But I only had an opportunity while I was working to go once a week. So that yeah. was another that was another, and you're jogging my memory now, but that was another objective I had is work out two to three times a week, way more okay. often than I had. And I'm sorry to and bring that up. And do you feel like you're, you're doing that? I do. And uh, yeah. I was going very actively up until COVID hit two to three times a week. Good. And uh, I felt great. I mean, I was best. I mean, I felt great. I felt stronger. I felt more energy. And not that I do power lifting. I'm not looking to like you know gain muscle mass. I'm looking to like tone, stay toned. And you power know. lifting is pretty awesome, by the way. Is it? Do I you got do a that? PR last night. I, I do. Okay. I got a personal record last night, a 375 pound deadlift. Good for you. Been working at it for for three years. I've, uh, when COVID started, I basically is when I started lifting. Um, and I've no, got a young nephew good. that I lift with. It's fun. I I got to be careful because of 
my my illness and all that. My my Crohn's. I'm kind of restricted. Watch how much I'm, stress I'm, you I'm put on your body. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm more. I'm trying to be more like, um, <coughs> excuse me, cardio centric, and mm-hmm. uh, lighter weights and toning and, and the like. But you know, once again, it's an objective you want to hit. And I, you know, I I was doing it. You know, I was getting up. It was like a I felt wow. I'm here on a Tuesday morning at ten o'clock. I could have done that before, you know. There's no way. I could yeah, have done it. yeah. You know, I don't I, you know, sometimes I've also heard people say when they're working, you know, like the brain requires so much energy. I think even just without intense learning or you know whether it's conversation or immersion, it's still using 20 percent of the calories of your body. So in retirement, if maybe you aren't as taxed or as stressed or dual processing and all that, in theory, you should have more energy available for the body, right? Well, yeah, and, and I think a lot of people are fearful, Drew, that when they stop working, they're going to have nothing else to do. I have a cousin in yeah. uh, Toronto who's a, who's a barrister, i.e. lawyer. And, okay. um, you know, I asked him when he was in his mid-70s, he go, Max, when are you going to retire? He goes, if I retire, I'll die because I have nothing else to do. And I call that's it a BS. Super, that's a super common point it of is. view. It is, and that's yeah. why, that's why, you know, I'm glad you're having these these discussions drew because i think we want to you know these conversations we're having you know i I just want to encourage people to say be open to doing anything you're going to have a couple hobbies find new hobbies be open to doing that and you know when covid hit the health club shut down they they shut down and um i had a couple bikes uh, the older bikes I was riding, and I'm riding one, and I'm going, oh, my, I rode, I hit a mountain bike, and I went riding, and it was just, I got off, it was, I was killing me. My back was hurting me. My shoulders were hurting me. So I went online, and I looked up, okay, bikes for old guys, you know, 60 or older, <laughs> and it came up comfort bikes. Okay, so let me, yeah, you know, I looked right. up comfort bikes. Like a townie or something like that. Yeah. Um, so with that. Yeah. specialized, it was specialized role that came up. So I go, okay, where do they sell specialized rolls at? So I found a store, uh, and I, you know, left to go to the store and look at the bike. And I found a bike I liked, and the guy and the guy goes, you know what? It was May of 2020. The guy goes, you know, our inventory is getting constrained. If you're going to buy this, you better buy it. I need to know today. He goes, I'm not that pressuring you. That was not you. a closing technique. Yeah. And I go, that was why true. don't you put this on hold for me? Let me, I'll, I'll let you know by 9 o'clock tonight. It was in the afternoon. Or first thing tomorrow morning, whether I want to buy it. He goes, I can hold it for 24 hours for you, but no longer okay. than that. So I went home. I put my two bikes on sale on Craigslist. I had a old, I had a 12 speed that I bought when I graduated college. So it was almost 40 years okay. old, and, yep. and I put them both on Craigslist. Drew, I sold the mountain bike in four hours. I asked 275. I got it for 250, and I sold the, the 12 speed the next morning. So good for you. So I called the guy first thing in the morning. I go, I want the bike. When can I pick it up? He goes, I'll have it for you anytime afternoon. So I went and bought this new bike, and I put so many miles on it the summer of 2020. I was riding it like two, three times a week. I couldn't go in the club. I rode more that summer than I think I had combined the 30 years prior. That's how much riding I did. And you know, I'm glad you bring that up because. Um, I don't know where it was in my life, but I was probably in my 30s. I was, I did some triathlons, shorter ones, like sprints in my 30s. And I hadn't ridden a bike in a while. 
And I started riding them. I'm like, man, this is fun. You kind of forget because there's an age when you're a kid and you're riding a bike and it's fun. And then I think you get to be a teenager and you're too cool to ride a bike. And then right. you just kind of forget about it. But there is a there is a joy in pedaling, and there can be a lot of social in pedaling too. Cause a lot of people now are riding. Right. I know that Andy talks about he he rides in Florida all the time. He's got a lot of friends that he does that with. Um, and then um, you know Dave and Andy, they both mountain bike. They get together for that. It is it is a fun sport, good for your heart, easy on your body, compared to running or um, you know a intense sport like basketball or something like that. It's much easier on your body. So good for you. That that's a great hobby to pick up, and good for you also for getting the bike before they um, all sold. <laughs> I think I got <laughs> I heard last, about that. I think I got the last comfort bike in Michigan because um, yeah. I remember calling a different store because they had the color I wanted in black. And they go, "Well, it's not your size." I go, "When's your next one coming in?" I goes, "Are you kidding?" The guy's question was, "Are you kidding me? Did you really ask me that?" I go, "Yeah. When when are you getting in, man? When, next month? Next week?" He goes, "How about February?" Go, yeah. February he goes, yeah, twenty one. If we're lucky, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you get an oh, it, it was constrained because all of a sudden no one else, no one had anything to do, and riding became. That's why I sold the bikes in twelve hours. Guys were like, I had four calls on the twelve speed. I said, you know what? I've got three calls, but if you can come right now, it's yours. I goes, I'll be there as soon as I can. I'm coming from Dearborn. Showed up, gave me the hundred dollar bill, and um, yeah, so I kind of traded in two, two for one. Um, yep. But once again, Drew, it goes to my point, you know, being open-minded, being, you know, I, I think anyone can do anything if they put their mind to it. And uh, our minds are probably our best friend or our worst enemy. I hate to be cliche about yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, speaking of the mind a little bit, if I could transition into this, I, I know we had we had talked in the part one of our podcast about stress, right? Stress from work and the impact on the body and health and and that so i think that's part of physical health you know so we're kind of talking about some some health areas here like how would you rate your your stress level in retirement and how that relates to your health and if you think back to three years ago you know where you were at with your with your body and stress levels how, how do you how do you feel like that's no, um, night and day landed night, night and day, and day. Okay. Uh, i really you know have Compared to work stress, obviously there's stress yeah. in your daily life, sure. but my stress is more around self-inflicted. Like, you know, I'm involved in some fantasy sports, so my stress is around, <laughs> oh, my God, my team didn't do too good last night, or my right. guys yeah, are I not working that. for me. Um, stress around, oh, the market is not doing good. Right. And you know what? I, I, I handle that stress by tuning that stuff out. I'm saying, I'm not going to okay. look at the market right now for a week. And right. You know, I, I think the um, ignorance... how does it manifest with you though? Do you do you get do you get grouchy or do you eat food or do you know you not what? I probably sleep get grouchy. Or... You know, if I get grouchy. stressful, I'll get more irritated and grouchy. And yeah. I'm a I'm a bad. I will say this: what stresses me out the most is when I'm driving and other people on the road. So that's probably my biggest level of stress is having to deal with all the other. Good thing you, know. you got rid of that jo driving job. <laughs> that's, why, that's part of the reason I don't think I could be an Uber try, driver either. Trade one so, work stress for another. Yeah, okay. I, probably, I, I probably get more, I don't know, like road rageous at times. And I try I try to curb that, but it's like you guys do at stupid At least you're aware of it. Yeah, I, I am. I go, I, yeah. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta reel it, it back. So, But, you know, the stress of, 
you know, Microsoft getting a renewal done and meeting all the metrics associated with the renewal and, and the like. And it's like, I don't feel that. I think part of my biggest stress that I have is what am I going to eat for dinner tonight? Is it going to be, you know, steak or salmon? Or And, you know, I'm fortunate to have that kind of stress. I That's will say that. That's quality because, food too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have some family members who are, are, are um, you know, um, ha- experiencing some significant health and financial issues. And yeah, um, like I said, I'm fortunate I don't have those. You know, but it goes to the, someone once told me, it goes, wow, you're lucky that, you know, you have this job and you're making money. And, you know, I always counter that with the, uh, yeah, I guess the harder I work, the luckier I get. And, and uh, some of that's true in health too. And some of it is, you know, a roll of the dice, you know, what's going to happen, right? Yeah, you just it, don't know. And my health isn't the greatest, you know, like I said, I yeah. got, when I encountered Crohn's 59, that was my medical leave I had, you know, the kind of, uh, was the uh, tipping point that led me to an earlier retirement than I had planned. Um, you know, that also gives you an opportunity to really take stock in, in your priorities because health is important. When you don't have it, you realize how unimportant everything else is. And, you know, I think yeah, the well stress said. stress that I had at Microsoft, I think, helped induce the, the Crohn's that I had. And, um, you know, I the stress I have is why well, I missed a shot at golf. I can handle that kind of stress, Drew. Right. Um, right. Oh my God, I got to get up earlier to go do something, you know, that um, I hadn't planned on doing. But I do make a part of the part of I think my um, my my part of my being having a successful retirement also is maintaining some of those things I did when I was at work, and I still stay very organized. I make a list at the beginning of every week, Drew, and I call it okay. my uh, my key to-do. strategic to-dos of what I want to do. And I got it on I a yellow too. pad. I got an office in yeah, my... Yeah, I, and, I do like a little index card. Okay. You see mine? Every week I work on it. It's and, funny because some people I speak to, they're like, my plan in retirement was to not have a plan. Well... Right? They, they wanted that open palette every day. I don't know if that's 100% true, but... Um, no, I like that you have a list. I don't see why you can't have a list till you're 100 years old. Why well, not? Yeah, it, it also does the the focus on it. It 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 gives me a focus in terms of some days I do more than others. Like yesterday, you know, my 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 uh, sister and brother-in-law's birthday is coming up, so I have to go buy them cards and a you know and a little um you know gimmick gift. Right. So I got them lottery tickets. Right. You know, I had to pay right. some bills. I had to follow my fantasy. You know, it goes team. back to that question too. Like, if I retire, what am I gonna do? I mean, you know, so I'm I I can't speak yet. I've only been retired nine months, but my list is it's kind of every week. There's there's stuff to do in there for sure. Um, and some of them are on this category of, hey, learn new stuff. And some of them are on the category of, you know, take care of something very specific at the house or whatever. But um, I wouldn't mind exploring that um, that question about what am I going to do? What if I become bored? You know, have, have you ever... Uh, felt boredom in retirement or let me ask this in a slightly different way have you ever had a down spell where you felt kind of in a rut or maybe the word depressed or something do you have you ever have you ever had those feelings that's a tough question you know um uh, you you know what i I do have a lot of different things going on and um 
so I did get involved with a second nonprofit, and um, that's also helped fill in some gaps. You know, have there been times where I don't have things to do? You know, I, I, I'm fortunate that I can find things to do. And I, if I'm bored, I'll go work out. I'll go ride my bike. Mm-hmm. I can go to Greenfield Village. And this is what mm-hmm. I'm talking about where your mind can, can be your best friend or your worst enemy. I got into reading books. I would go to the library and pull out books. Uh, I, I focused on biographies. So I had a spell where I was getting oh, different cool. biographies yeah. all the time. Um, or I'd go to the movie when, you know, before COVID, you can go to the movie theaters. My wife and I went to a couple matinees. And I think the last movie we saw in a matinee was that this close, it's close to home for both you and I, Drew, was Ford versus Ferrari, mm-hmm. which was a great movie with Henry Ford and a Ferrari. Great movie. Uh, yeah. Um, so my, I've got a 95 year old or soon to be 95 year old father, uh, who my uncle lives, he lives, he has a condo. My uncle lives with him. They both need help. So there's been times I've had to help them. So have I had a moment where, you know, just to wake up and go, I got nothing to do. What am I going to do? I'm bored about it. I actually look at that as an opportunity to say, wow, I got nothing to do. Wow. I'm just going to sit back and, you know, do something I've wanted to do. Maybe I want to clean out a drawer, get rid of, clean out my office and stuff. And and it's just having that more, I think if people probably don't realize it, but they have more on their plate than they give themselves credit for. Even going out to the grocery right. store and saying, "What am I going to buy for dinner? Let's make an exotic dinner." I got my propane tank is right. low. I got to go fill that up. Or, um, but um, the second nonprofit involvement, you know, is also like a full time job. It's uh, it's with a um, it's with a nonprofit called Jewish War Veterans, and it is it's been around also since 1895. It's about 127 years. And it was formed by Civil War veterans in 1895 when society was saying that uh, Jewish Americans will not fight for the United States. So right. the Civil War veterans yeah. formed the group saying, yes, we will, and we have. In fact, we have. Proof. Yeah. And right. uh, so the organization has been around, and its, and its primary focus is on helping veterans, marching in parades, uh, providing um, uh, financial support as well as um being their support for veterans in, in times of need. And my, uh, I have a cousin who is very involved in it. He's right now the, um, and in Michigan, you have a department and you have three individual posts set up like the military uh, that are, are based in Michigan. And my cousin is the commander of the department, meaning I president, you know. He calls me up one Pretty day cool. and goes, hey, Joel, you're, you're retired, aren't you? Yeah, he goes, you're good with numbers. Yeah, he goes, you're good with computers. And Mark, what are you getting at? <laughs> right. He goes, What's well, our quartermaster here? is retiring, and I need a new quartermaster. I go, what is a quartermaster, Mark? He goes, oh, that's the treasure, you know, quartermaster, and, you know, would give the paychecks out. To, he goes, but I thought you'd be a good candidate. I go, so what does the job entail? What does it entail? And, of course, he lied to me. He didn't tell me everything. He goes, talk to Linda. She'll tell you about it. So, you know, Drew, it sounded interesting, the fact that I could, once again, leverage skills that I had accrued in my career, you know, with regards to um, finances. It was basically managing the checkbook for the department, you know, writing the checks, balancing the checkbook. You're working with your cousin, and it's part of the community, and yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm dealing with 
all these 80, 70, 80, 90 year old World War II, Korean War, Vietnam veterans. You know, we don't have a lot of younger veterans. And it's really planning for, you know, like parades. We're going to march in the Veterans Day Parade upcoming or different Memorial Day holiday parades, going and marking graves for Veterans Day and um, uh, going to. Well, I was, um, was going to say, Joel, I mean, we've been at war pretty much nonstop for the past 30 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's probably some some more younger veterans that you could find too. To join yeah, it's the recruitment's a problem, but it, it yeah. it's it, it's it's good. And and of course, the first few months, the woman I was replacing was treasurer for like ten years, and she was pretty well respected and knew her numbers pretty good. And I had to take over her books and kind of integrate my own style into her style and all that. So I was obviously quite being you know heavily scrutinized and questioned the first few months when our chief of staff is a uh, a brigadier general general don cool. okay and yeah he uh, was formerly a, a, a an actual brigadier general is what you're saying it's not a title in the organization you're a military a guy Drew. General. yeah 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 he, he, okay. i guess he still is once you are you're still are right okay and yeah. um you're military so you can appreciate that here i am i'm a citizen you know being treasurer and i'm answering to the chief of staff i.e. brigadier general and he's asking you know tough questions so i'm heavily scrutinized coming in you're the new guy what the hell do you know and i've had to prove see myself you, but it's still you do in your first business review right yeah and once again i'm i'm integrating skills that i ported over from my career and um it is challenging. It's a little more work than I anticipated because I'm doing deposits like every week and I've got to do monthly reports. And how many, how many hours a would you a say a week are you doing across your um, volunteer in both organizations? So between Hebrew Free Loan, Jewish War Veterans, and you know, I'll qualify. I'm not a real religious guy, but these kind of things are important to me to support the community, sure. especially in light of what's yeah. going on with you know all the political BS that's taken place and and the yeah. like, um, but um, I probably put in about eight to ten hours a week between okay. my involvement in these two organizations. That's um, a fair amount of time. So uh, it integrates in everything else I'm doing. But you know, I fit in a couple hours a day here, a couple hours a day there. Like yesterday, I was writing checks for Jewish war veterans and, and finalizing reports. You know, I've gotten to the point where. I can do a monthly report in about an hour and a half. So I've got my system down and I got to right. print it out and do so that. So maybe your time will decrease a little bit as you gain mastery of the role, right? But it yeah. sounds like something you, you got to work on just about every day a little bit. Pretty much, yeah. Or it's yeah. it's top of mind all the time with me. It's now it's being integrated yeah. in DNA, whether it's Hebrew Philon and supporting Danto. You know, I, mean, I got friends tell, calling me up and saying, hey, I, got, I know this guy who's buying a business and I told him to call you. I said, have at it you know i'll talk to anyone about it yeah excuse me with with jewish war veterans i'm having guys saying hey i need a check for this can you write me a check or oh, i want to make a donation who do i make the donation to and um it, it, it's fun in a way so i don't i look at it as it's kind of a labor of of, of love in some respect true but it goes back to the open-mindedness yeah maybe i shouldn't just in hindsight maybe i shouldn't have said yes to mark when he called me i find it felt you know, it was kind of a compliment to say for him to think of me. Right. And it's a critical role. It's an exec board position. Um, um, 
I manage the budget, control the budget, and I've had some positive influence. We had another group um, that peripherally is involved with us that has some money, and um, we try to get money from them. It was always very clandestine. You know, I never really trust okay. the process. Oh, to get money from Mark, you got to go through Art, Art, Mark, Art, have the secret meeting, and then Mark decides to write the check and all this. I'm going, okay. Was this double secret variation? You know, kind of. Does anyone tape in these conversations? Got to the point. I go. We gotta. We gotta formalize this. Mark needs to know that he owes us this money, and I don't want to have to go begging for him. And it turns out Mark's okay. a former sniper in the army, okay. and he's made it known that he was a sniper. So it's basically he's telling you, yeah, don't mess with me because I know right. I was a sniper. So do I got to look behind my back every time? I didn't sign up for that kind of stuff. So. I'm meeting some interesting people along the lines as well. So it's three That's years cool. ago. That's really great. Yeah. In, in hindsight, would I have envisioned getting involved, deeper involved with these organizations? Had I envisioned becoming more uh, um, involved with bike riding? No. I never would have. And that's kind of the But fun the open palette uh, worked for you. Yeah. yeah. It's it kind of the fun you. that I'm having. It's like, you know all great plans are laid to waste you know yeah my great plans of learning a language yeah i haven't started on that drew so i guess that's laid to waste um but my days are filled with a bunch of other stuff more more friends of mine are retiring and yeah. some close friends guys i've known since junior high and elementary they were involved in a, a pretty successful fast food franchise business and they had the franchise in michigan and they just sold it last fall and came out smelling pretty good in the sale, which I'm very happy for them. Good and for one of the guys them, right. in particular earned it. who was work, working 90 hours a week he, as their COO, yeah. he's facing the same issues. He's retired. What's he going to do? Well, he always enjoyed golfing, and him and I would golf like at least once a week when we had the time. Now we're playing two, three times a week. I'm playing with him this afternoon, as a matter of fact. We have a tea time at good 1 o'clock. And Glenn's calling me saying, okay, we're playing – Tuesday and Friday this week, which course do you want to play at? So that adds to my stress level. Oh, my God, which course are we going to play at? I'm saying it stress and chest. But it's fortunate enough that I've got yeah. some, some yeah, new friends, some new playmates to play with, you know? Right. Let, let me shift to learning a little bit. I know, like, in some ways you say, hey, I haven't learned this language or, you know, music or whatever. It's it's difficult, right? I, I, I think you're your mentor and friend's idea of dedicating a year to something might be the right approach because I think it's tough at our age or at any age to dabble with something like that, to dabble with a language or to dabble with an instrument. Or um, I don't think it works super well from, from my time. I'm a dabbler. I think you really have to immerse. But I'll stop pontificating and just say, Let's say this is a question that I that I like to ask. Let let's say you didn't need as much sleep as you do, and you had an extra four hours a day, and you were to dedicate that to learning. Where where would you apply that time? Um, great question, great question, and um, you know, probably some more focused hobbies. I'd like to be a better cook. You know, mm. getting into, yeah. uh, and I know that Schoolcraft College is very good about that. They're very open with a lot of different offerings. Um, okay. And, and I'll say that I met a, a person who's a, um, a, a um, up-and-coming artist in the area, 
and she's taken some courses at Schoolcraft in it. And I have a buddy of mine, his son was a culinary guy who did Schoolcraft. So learning, especially Italian, I, I love like veal parmesan and veal marsala. So right. I'd like to learn how to make that. And I think my wife is getting tired of cooking all the time. I don't want to cook all sure. the time. And right. it's kind of a challenge. So that's one area I'd love to get better. I feel I'm a it's, good barbecue. It's really fun. I'd agree. You know, um, YouTube is a great way to learn, surprisingly, I found. Like, I, I cook a lot now. I started cooking a fair amount, I think, really with the beginning of COVID. But my wife and I are, I don't want to say it's 50-50, but it's pretty close. And um, it's fun. Like, I've also made it social. Like, for example, we had a, there was a there was a movie with this band coming out that we were going to go see out in L.A., and we ended up canceling due to COVID. So I organized a little party to screen the movie, and then my son and my nephew and I, uh, you know, just opened this cookbook that my wife got for Christmas about all these Syrian dishes, and we had, a, like, a little planning meeting at the kitchen table. We created, we made 11 dishes. Wow. And I'd say nine of them were great, and two of them were, we still talk about how bad they turned out. <laughs> um, but everybody ate, you know, we made fresh pita, we had all this stuff, Every, we had about 15 people over, and um, there was panic right before, it was it was an experience, it was, it was a big night experience, and... Um, you know, I, I it sounds probably chauvinistic and terrible, but I think as a man and you're trying stuff, it's okay to fail. And I think sometimes, you know, my, my wife, to speak for her, she doesn't like to not nail dinner. It's got to be amazing because she's a great cook. And so she's a little less open maybe to trying new things. Um, so you get a bit of a pass, Joel, I yeah. think, yeah. No, for you're, trying. You're... You have to try, right? You know, right. I always say, you know, I really feel hard. Nothing venture, nothing gain. If you don't ask, you won't know. The worst thing you can do is hear no, and you're no better, you're no worse off than where you started. And I've always right. had that flight, even at work, you know, it's like I, I would never, and maybe I'm more open to that than others. I tell my daughter this. I go, if you don't ask, you won't know. And the worst question that you can ask, are those you don't ask, if that makes sense. I remember when I was at Microsoft sure, and mentoring new guys, and I would say, they say, well, I would tell them, I go, you can ask me anything you want. Well, what if it's a stupid question? I go, no, the stupidest questions are the one you don't ask. No, who's going to tell you it's a stupid question? If you don't ask, if you don't know, you got to ask. And I think a lot of people have that fear of, I don't want to sound stupid and asking the question. And I, that's a my opinion, that's a, a bad philosophy to have. But going back to if I had more time, I'd also like to um, um, have, I'm not real handy around the house. You know, I can like screw a screw in and uh, hammer a nail in and that kind of stuff. But um, um, change a light bulb, you know, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like to be more handy. So okay. I'd like to learn some, uh, I don't know whether you call it woodworking skills or, yeah. or the like. Um but I'd like to have some more, you know, DIY, they call it, do-it-yourself kind of skills. Okay. And, and I'm okay. willing to try stuff. You know, I, I, I can I can tear stuff apart. I can glue things together. I have some aptitude. And I also like to get better at my, my golf game. I, I, I'm a golfer, but I'm a hack golfer. And I, I played the other day, and I played with two guys who were just hitting the hell out of the balls. I mean, they were They're so amazing, good. Right? 
And yeah. I said, how, I go, how do you do it? He goes, you have the basic mechanics. You just need to work at it. And, right. um, you know, it's a hobby of mine. And I have another friend who's taken more lessons than anyone I know. And he's definitely gotten better over, over the years. So that's another yeah. thing I'd like to do is get better at, you know, golf. So it's more time I would be, if I had more, if I had four more hours, I would dedicate it to kind of probably those three things. Okay. Why don't, why don't we try to um, uh, tie this up and get into some of our final rapid fire questions? Okay. If that's okay. Um, um, I'll start with kind of a deep one here. If, if you had to pass on some wisdom to maybe your great, great grandchildren that you might never meet, right? I'll, um, I hope you do. What would that be? Wisdom in terms of retirement? Or life no, in general? just wisdom or... about life to your great-great-grandchildren. Wow. Well, first thing I would say is treat others the way you want to be treated. You know, follow sure. the golden rule. And right. uh, um, I would make sure that, you know, know, know to say thank you, please, hello, goodbye. Treat people with respect that they deserve. Uh, know people's names. Don't feel you're above anybody. Uh, because um, everybody is equal, regardless of uh, uh, of race, creed, color, wealth, or anything of those nature. So those are just the simple things. Uh, karma yeah. is a karma is a bitch, and it will get you if you you aren't good. Um, be organized. Plan. Plan your plan. Be, you know. Be organized. Plan for things. Be open to new ideas. Um, be confident. If you're not confident in yourself, then how do you expect other people to be confident in you? You, um, you know, th- those kind of things. I, I, I don't, I don't, th- you know, don't judge someone, um, based on first impressions. Um, but first impressions are important. Uh, don't feel you're better than someone. Don't feel someone's better than you because they have money. Money doesn't separate people. Uh, the, the material items are not that important. Live, live within your means and or below your means. And, um, you know, be honest. Um, if you commit to something, show up for it. And, uh, you know, those are kind of the, the basic tenets. Those are bedrocks that won't change. I, those are fantastic. Yeah, I mean, are those cliche and stuff? I mean, that's how I try to... No, you know, I don't think so. Like, when I, when I, when I talk to, to folks that I, I feel like like need advice or they ask, um, I, I always go with, like, a pyramid, if you can picture a pyramid. And the bottom part of the pyramid is it's just, like, like be a good person. Be honest. Uh uh, don't take actions that you'll regret and be ashamed of, right? Because you, no matter whether you're successful and whatever success means, you can look back at that and say, hey, um, I'm proud of the way I conducted myself. It's the most important thing, in my opinion. And then the middle part of the pyramid, I always say, like, work hard, apply yourself, right? Uh, have some expertise and work at it and add value, if you will. Another way of saying it. And the very little tip uh, I say is, have fun all every day, all along the way. But sometimes it, that's a, just it's not not a huge part of the day. But don't forget, you know, have some fun, have some joy in your life. And I think people get it opposite. You know, if they get into trouble, their, their whole base is centered on having fun, and their little triangle is about being a good person. It's like no, you got to flip that. It's almost ninety percent work, right? It's yeah. kind of like uh, values. I think you were just saying. Maybe I'm saying it in a slightly different way, but. 
I like it. I like it. Okay. Um, if I could, uh, if you had a do-over in your career, if you had one do-over, I think you, I think I might know what it is, but what would that be? That do-over would have been uh, not leaving that job that yeah, I had yeah. in uh, in 1990, whatever around that time, over a ten thousand dollar, you know, yeah. financial dispute. I look back at that, I go, that it was a bad decision, but a hard lesson learned, and right. I, I think the lessons I learned from that decision. Uh, and it cost me a good four and a half years of my career really sent me into a tailspin. Uh, but I came out of it way stronger and, uh, I believe smarter as a result. Um, but yeah, if, if I and had you, to do that one over recover from that, yeah, Pardon me? It, you can recover from that is the other message, right? Cause I think most people now have a period of tailspin. And sometimes it's early in their career, sometimes it's mid in their career, you know, but it happens. But, yeah, good good for you for, for working your way through that. Um, uh, and I feel proud that I resurrected, I, reinv- I, I say it, resurrected and reinvented myself when I got yeah. involved in, in uh, corporate software. And Steve was a guy who uh, kind of saw something in me that maybe at that time I didn't see in myself, believed in me, and it kind of just, you know, it was definitely a tipping point that led me to you know the the further success and i had successes prior to that and i think i was just a younger guy with too big of a freaking ego and that's the other life lesson check your ego at the door you know and i think my ego got the best of me and i was too young hard-headed and stubborn to realize that and i think that's important don't be so hard-headed don't be so stubborn be more open-minded and uh you know i can look back 30 years later with the wisdom and experience I have now to say, if I went back to my younger self at that time, I would have said, you know, like that guy on that 70s show, dumbass, what are you doing? You know? So, um, but yeah, that would be my duo. Right. Drew, no doubt. All right. Yeah. How about, um, do you have three books that you are, are, are important to you in your life that you'd recommend? Oh my God. I'm not a, a I'm more of a biography book reader, but okay. three yeah. books. Any, any biographies? What are the biographies that you've read that you love? One of, one of the best biographies I love was uh, called The Whiz Kids. That was a, I know around that one. The ten, did you read that one? It's a great McNamara book. McNamara and that crew. That's yeah, a great book. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, about the, the 10 guys who yeah. uh, helped save Ford Motor Company after World War II. They also helped win World War II with yes, the supply they did. chain. Some yeah, key, yeah. key figures who had yeah. you know, significant Have you influence. seen the movie The Fog of War that McNamara wrote oh. about? Oh, really? It's it's his story about um, you know, he was he was picked up by Kennedy to be the um Secretary of War or whatever the um a Secretary of Defense. And it was his point of view on Vietnam. Because, you know, I think he's the only Secretary of Defense to resign as opposed to being forced out in a war. Yeah, he basically said, our strategy is not working. We have bombed every target there is. It's not working. And he resigned. Yeah, yeah. he was. I, I, when, I, when I was supporting Ford, I would tell a lot of people at Ford about it. And I, I, I gave the book to one of our TSs and uh, never got it back from him, which is why I don't lend books out. But, um, yeah. um, you know, two other books that I would think of, I, 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 I would say I'd put these two into, as one. 
uh, To Kill a Mockingbird and Catcher in the yeah. Rye. Those yeah. were great books. You know, those uh, I read them when my, I was My wife's favorite book, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, I actually read Catcher in the Rye like two or three times. And, and those yeah. kind of when I was younger. And, and then um, a third book, and it probably caters to me from a community aspect. And it was just I, I, it was called the uh, the Nazi Hunters uh, by okay. Simon Weisenthal, and it okay. depicted uh, his 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 uh, um, was it Mossad? Yeah, his chasing down Nazis Nazis yeah. uh, post World War II. But he went one. into some very gruesome details about the atrocities of the war and the Holocaust yeah. and all that. It was very hard to read at times, and it, it really is um you know if you ever saw the movie schindler's list or, or yeah. that i mean that stuff's true and i think it's important for everyone to understand what happened Absolutely. there and there's a lot of deniers in that and uh you know i have a lot of friends whose parents are holocaust survivors and it's just chilling it's just bone chilling to read it it was, it was tough to read but uh, you know if i had it's to pick amazing those three, what humans humans can do uh, yeah, this and, day, and, you know, and it's, I, I it's guess awful. more than anything, true. That's why I'm involved in my community. I said I'm not religious, but I'm involved in the community because, for the simple purpose, that I got to make sure that the Holocaust can never happen again. And um, you know, that's just you know, not only six million Jews, but twelve million people by one madman. And right. uh, there's still a lot of madmen that are out there. We know two in existence right now, names unsaid, but. Right. Uh, We'll just leave it at that. So those we'll three have had an influence on me, okay. you know, po- positively, negatively, but, you know, kind of carry them right. with me. Yeah, really good. Okay, kind of uh, a last question. You know, I know we've spoken a lot about there's some themes that for sure come through, uh, shining through for you. You're a positive man, you know. Um, you, you do say yes. I think you're very thoughtful about it. But also, like, you're super rational and you plan. Right, and you really think through how you spend your time and you use your days, and you shared that you have a list on your legal pad or whatnot. But it strikes me that you know routine and discipline and planning is a strength for you. Are there any any techniques that you'd want to share or recommend to people? You're not throwing any softball questions here, are you? <laughs> Very introspective. You're making me reach deep down and think about these things. Yeah, good, so, good. Um, it's just natural for you, but it's not natural for everybody. It isn't. Uh, okay. You have a habit that is that is unique, I think. Well, Relatively thank unique. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and you never realize this when we work together side by side. Or you know, it's hard when you yeah. work side by side, you don't you don't know someone as well you think you do, right? Um, think about people working on Zoom right now. Do they really yeah. get to know people? Maybe. Maybe if they ask questions they do. You know what I, I I try to do what's the right thing, Drew, and, and mm-hmm. that's somehow instilled in me. You know whether it's it's the the guilt my mom laid on me, or the guilt my wife <laughs> lays on me, or my daughter lays on me, and you know um, try to do the right thing. And I, I was challenged a lot at, at, in work, especially at Microsoft, because. I had a balance that I had to try to achieve. And that balance is, you know, make sure that you get a good deal for Microsoft, but you keep the customer happy and wanting to continue doing business. You know, and I had had reps that wanted to go way to the right, you know, and they accused me of being too far left. And, you know, let's just meet in the middle. 
and, and that led to a lot of infighting and, and the like. Um, um, and I've always said, I'll, I'll never lie to win a deal. I'd rather tell the truth and lose a deal. And, and I feel that integrity and honesty are, are important and, and, you know, discipline. Uh, I, I'm not always disciplined, believe me. I, I'm not always, like, doing the right thing. And, uh, sure, but you know, nobody's of, perfect. Yeah, um, but, you know, those are two things. I remember when, when uh, my, one of my first jobs, Dynatax, we were going out of business. We were crashing and burning during the 1989 tax season, which is for a young guy. It was a hell, hell of a learning experience. And Cooper's and Libran at the time, a big six, now it's PwC. My biggest client, probably Dynatex's second biggest client in the country, and this was a, a national. I had to call him up and say, we're not going to be able to support you this tax season. We're crashing and burning. Oh you need to go to my competitor. And the yeah. um, woman on the other phone, she, I could hear her in her voice. She was crying. She was going, you can't yeah, help us. Devastating for her. And, and it was, yeah, because they, had, I mean, I put them in such a bad position. But, but at least I was, she gave I was them honest, the answer I was quickly. honest with them. And I had another client at the time who I, who I unintentionally failed to inform what was going on and they called me into the office and they read me the riot act and these were two it was a good client these were two key contacts at the client (coughs) excuse me they read me the riot act deservedly so at the time i didn't feel it but looking back it was how could you not keep us supposed to why didn't you tell us this what and it was like oh my god puts them in a tough spot yeah and i realized i go you know what I'm going to live in this city a long time. I might lose this job, but I need to maintain my integrity. And right. that kind of, I don't know if that answers the question, but some deep I, You know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a, it answers a different question, but why can't your routine say, I'm going to, if, if nothing else, just um, have my, my compass pointed towards doing the right thing, <laughs> which, you know, the older I guess, I guess if I reflect on my younger self, I think, you know, it was tough to hold back ambition and aggression for um, integrity at every moment. It was tough. I'm probably pretty tough on my younger self if I look back at him. And that would be advice I would give to him for sure. And I think my advice to great-grandchildren would be very similar to yours. But I think in general, sometimes I look back at my life and say, yeah, I probably could have had more integrity here. Or I could have been kinder here but in general i think the arc of my life is i'm satisfied with it you know i'm not a perfect like, person like i say Drew, i don't do that all the time there's times when i lose my temper that i shouldn't okay right, right. there's times when you know i probably do something i shouldn't do but right. overall you know i want to do at least i kind of try to conduct my 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 business life and my personal life i'm out in public i mean i've had fights with my sisters that were, were have been bad but if i'm out in public I don't want to be the guy who is like stands up in the middle of a restaurant and starts yelling at a waitress because uh, you know my food it's is gross. Cold, you know, yeah, it's you, really, know, you it's read gross. about that stuff in on uh, uh, all the time. You know, this guy did that. It's like, are you out of your mind? Uh, and we have a yeah. friend. So my group of friends, close group of friends, we have a friend. He's a doctor. His name's Larry, and Larry is just. You know, he's close to being the perfect human. He's like the Nick Lidstrom of our group. You know, he's not perfect, but he's got. A great family, great value, smart as a whip, um, just top notch. And, and we always go, well, what would Larry do? You know. <laughs> and, and a friend of mine bought his wife a really expensive sports car, and he goes, "Don't tell Larry." 
I go, why not? I go, you deserve it. He goes, don't tell Larry because Larry will tell me I should have I should have donated, I should have bought a lesser car and donated the rest of the money to some cause to, uh, you know, for homelessness or something. And well, that's, uh, a, that's a personal it, decision. Did, I think he did not tell Larry for six months through. <laughs> he did not tell him that, but it's like Larry is our north star. He's kind of our conscience. You know, it's like, oh my God, if I do, how do I explain it to Larry? You know, he'd look at me and go, what do you do that for? You know, it's so simple. Why? And it'd be one of those, why? And Larry's been my friend since I was eight years it. old. That's, okay. so. That's an okay answer too, right? That you love your wife and she deserves it, made her happy. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Well, Joel, I mean, um, I, and I figure we'll stop there. It's a nice way to end it. Um, I really appreciate uh, the two sessions we've had. Uh, thank you for sharing so openly. Uh, I think there's a, just a ton to learn. I took some very specific notes on. I'm going to check out what Craigslist has for interesting opportunities. I'm going to go peruse the biography. Yeah, I'm going to peruse the biography section of my library. Um, I'm going to explore what maybe community colleges and whatnot have for classes, whether it's cooking or others. And I'm definitely putting the Nazi hunters in my um, Amazon uh, inbox there. Um, and read through some of that, but there's, there's, there's going to be a bunch more, but no, I, I have always appreciated you from, like I said, uh, in part one and our, in uh, my preamble, like the first time I met you, 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 uh, took some time to give some guidance and mentoring and, um, anyways, I, I just appreciate it. And, uh, I hope everybody else gets, uh, gets a lot out of these two talks. So, would you, I appreciate you allowing me to have these conversations because you're looking for a lot of different people. And I felt I had some, uh, you know, some interesting things to share. So I appreciate you feeling that way as well. And, and I've always felt you've been a stand-up guy. I, I enjoyed meeting you from day one. Uh, you were one of fixed guys and coming from, you know, Oracle and fix credibility, uh, a recommendation that had instant credibility right there. But, um, you know, outside of that, I got to know you and, um, you know, some other guys who worked for you, who speak the world of you and still speak the world of you. And, and I've gotten to know you. And, you know, I, 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 I've always felt very comfortable talking to you. You're always very open and willing to have conversation, no matter how busy you were. Uh, you were always supportive uh, of me in, uh, in helping you and assisting your team. And I always looked at you as a, uh, you know, kind of an advocate, uh, a go-to guy as an advocate if I needed anything. You know, Drew, and I probably didn't go to you as much as I could have, but I always felt that you were a go-to guy that if I needed, if I needed anything, it's like, oh, I can always, I can always go to Drew and ask Drew. So you're always there. Um, cool. So I appreciate yeah, that. Kind of mutual admiration, Drew. I, I, you're a quality <laughs> individual. Nothing wrong with that. You're going to have. Nothing wrong with that. No, no, you're going to have an enjoyable retirement because, you know, you've got, you've got that. you got that open mind. you got that spirit. You got that willingness to, to do anything and everything. So within reason, um, but you have that. Yeah. And, and that's well, the important thing. It, it, it really it is, is, you know, just to close it yeah. out. It, it, it's, you know, you could set a track. You could say, I'm going to do this. And you could set that track and you could stick to that track and just c could succeed on that. But you also got to be open to what's outside Serendipity. of those lines. Right. You know? What happens? What, what somebody brings you. I kind of, if I, if I would have been less willing to try things, I think I would have missed out on some experiences that I've had over the last three years. And I kind of, I don't know what's in store for me going down the road. 